This is Review Askew Anew, where we look at the filmography of Kevin Smith and how and how how the movies have transformed over time as as interesting sort of uh, cultural artifacts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you may know me. I'm uh, Darren Jackson, aka the Rap Critic on YouTube. Uh, I also have the Going Off podcast, and this is my friend Evan. Let the lovely people know about you. Uh, so I am uh, not an actor, but I used to be. Uh, I actually went to acting school, and when I was in college, if you asked me what are your goals, what are your ambitions, I would say I want to be Kevin Smith. Needless <laughs> to say, that didn't happen. I didn't get my shit together enough to do that. But I was always really fascinated by what he had done with the View Askew universe mm. and the uh, you know the characters sort of intersecting various movies and uh and everything coming together and also yeah. like the just the um the genre differences between you know you have clerks which is more or less uh realistic and then you have uh and you have everything from to dogma which is completely supernatural hyper realist um, yeah <laughs> so uh, so i was you know really admired him and so the way we actually started talking about it was that uh so i'm gay <laughs> and uh, and Darren said to me like, oh, when was the last time you saw Chasing Amy? Because the last time I saw it was years and years ago before I was out. And he was like, oh, I want you to watch it and see what you think about it and see how you held up. Sort of expecting that be like more offensive. And <laughs> um, and I watched it and we had a really interesting discussion about it. And I said, yeah, you know, I mean, we had a really in depth talk about it and and how it's held up. And I said we should do a podcast about this. So uh, we're going to be talking about Clerks, of course. The- <laughs> Of course, after the, all that conversation about Chase and Gaby. Which we will get to someday. <laughs> I'm uh, giving a really long episode, yeah, yeah. I guess. But, uh, but, you know, Clerks is where it all started. It's, yeah. you know, Kevin Smurfs. Kevin Smurfs. Yeah. I can get his name right, too. Uh, Kevin Smith's first movie came out in 94. Um, I think it was shot a couple years before that. And, uh, and you know, black and white cult classic. Um, And the interesting thing about it being a cult classic is that I think, like some other cult classics, people remember certain highlights, remember certain things, and Mm. they think like, oh, I remember this weird gross-out part that happened, and this line, and this thing and that, but... Just but, think of it as like a lot of random stuff happening and mm, don't remember... The full package. The full package and how carefully crafted yes, it is. Because yes. when you really look at it... By the way, there is going to be uh, a lot of spoilers. This is a deep dive. Mm-hmm. So don't listen if you have not watched Clerks or unless you just want to be confused. <laughs> we're Yeah, we're about to go deep into the, uh, the, the ins and outs, especially because of how well-crafted... I feel like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe part of that is because you don't expect it to be. There's an interesting through line that I think is going to keep coming up as, yeah. we, as we look so, through So it. the through line is Dante is constantly saying his catchphrase is, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. He So the movie opens with him getting called in on his day off. Mm-hmm. And the entire movie says, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not even supposed to be here. But he does it anyway. Um, but he does it anyway. And, and it, it's very uh, revealing of Dante's character. So before we get too far into this, mm. Thirst Corner? <laughs> Okay, well, right. let's have... We, let's, we've, let's... <laughs> we've agreed that I have a thirst corner because I have to contain my raging homosexual lust to a to a small portion of the podcast. So here it is. Oh, my God, Jeff Anderson was fucking hot in his early 20s. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was a fucking hot little twink with his little ass in the acid wash jeans. And oh, my little, God. Mm, some fucking <laughs> cheekbones. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. So, um, yeah, Randall Graves... But you could uh, <laughs> No, he could, no, well, 
that's another discussion. Okay. The, the, the acting in the movie is another discussion. But um, uh, Randall Graves, one of the, the two main characters, is extremely pretty. And I am just expressing that now, and then we can move on. You don't have and any will, love for not, Jay? I thought that was... For, for Jay. He's like eighteen in that. You, he's you, a, do you he's, feel bad? He's 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 jail. He's like jailbait in this movie. He is, I can't hit on him. That's wrong. Well, I mean, he looks like a baby. Like he looks like a twelve-year-old in that we're movie. Fuck because this bitch, we're gonna fuck that bitch. Yeah, fucking he, he, he looks boy. he looks like a middle school boy in that. So yeah, no, I mean, I think that Jason Mewes is a very good-looking man, but in Clerks, he is he's a boy. Uh, so anyway, moving on from Thirst Corner. Um, I, I do want to note the slate really quickly because I, I hadn't remembered the slate. The slate in the movie right at the beginning, mm. first thing you see is an animation of a kid sitting there playing with a ball and a birthday clown comes oh, up. Oh, yeah. Goes out of sight. That was so weird. Comes back in lacy stockings with clothes pins clipped to his nipples and the slate that says view askew. And then, uh, and then I think he farts on the kid's head, and that is the slate for View Askew Productions. So I think it's just like setting the tone wow. right there. Yeah, this is what we are. Here you go. This is a lot um, of gross out humor you're getting. You do yeah. expect. So the, it's a, it's a warning. It's a fair warning. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of uh, homoeroticism. A lot of homoeroticism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that becomes so, unfurls. As yeah, the, uh, it's it's interesting. Goes further. So, um. So the first shot of the actual movie is a fluffy dog, which is just delightful. <laughs> I, I don't think the dog ever comes back. I think, it's just, I, I think you just needed to see a nice dog. You just dog needed to see a nice dog before we get into everything. And then, um, and then we hear it's actually the phone ringing, but you, you know we don't know it's the phone at first. I thought it was an alarm clock at first before I remembered. Mm. Um, and here, to me, it's like, here's the first little brilliant bit of filmmaking. Okay. We're in Dante's room. We hear something ringing. He rolls out of his closet. Like, I, and I feel like... Oh, any, my fucking and, God. And I feel like any... I Like, yeah, homoeroticism. But no, I mean, but but just generally... I never even thought about I that. I wasn't thing. even thinking of it as, like, in terms of a metaphor. Right, right. But, but just that in a lesser film, you know, beginning of the movie, we see the character wake up in bed, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, having him wake up in his closet... Just, I mean, that just shows you the the detail and the level of specificity that Kevin Smith's putting into this. Is he's not just going to do the like, well, it's the morning, so he's waking up in bed. And there, there's something specifically un, um, what's the word? Unexpected. Like, no, just, um, there's something un, unkempt about this guy. Yeah, this guy also, is it, not put together. Right. It's also like a character thing. We see his room's very messy. He fell asleep in the closet, and just <laughs> he's he's kind of a hot mess. It's also the first title card we see. We see the first. The, there are title cards throughout the movie, and the, the the movie, and the first one we see says Dante. Uh, also, real quick, his name Dante spends the movie in hell. Ah, uh, that's true. That's, that I'm, that had to be intentional. Yeah. So um, okay, damn, I didn't even. Th- yeah, damn. I, I still haven't figured out quite what Randall is. If Randall is a reference to anything, but Dante is almost certainly a reference to Dante Alighieri, uh, the poet who wrote and also is the main character in mm. the Divine Comedy. And the most famous part of that is the Inferno, and he's in hell. Mm. Uh, so, uh. The, that first thing we see after the title card is is Dante's boss asking him to come in and take a shift, even though it's his day off. Anybody who's ever worked that kind of job hmm. knows that feeling of like, ah, oh, it's my day off. 
fuck the gut and and that feeling of like i can't say no because mm. when you're beholden to a boss who puts you on the schedule on totally random shifts whenever they feel like it i mean i've worked jobs where like people have turned down extra shifts and then in retaliation the management has just refused to schedule them or mm. cut them down to like 10 hours a week so, so yeah, there's also that discussion the discussion of like not just him as, you know, on one level we could say, yeah, he's just a slacker, yeah, he's just that, and yeah, he's just this. But on another level, it's like, how much is out of his control as a person? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, he's coming in on his day off and we treat that like a vice, but it's just like, how much control does he really have over Yeah, that, and I think it's a know? discussion. I think also, like, cultural context is important. I don't, mm. I'm not an expert on economic history, but I have, I think that in the early 90s, the economy was a little bit better than it yeah, is now. Well, yeah. and and also like he's living with his parents. It's not like he will be on the streets if he doesn't. Right, play, right, you right. Know? Um, I think that I, I forgot how young these people were. They're twenty two. Yeah. yeah, the character, the main characters are twenty two, and they're still talking about shit that happened in high school. Yeah, like you know. Yeah, yeah. They're they're very young. They're they're very young. I, I think we're meant to believe that Dante is sort of self-defeating and has this like learned helplessness and not mm. that he's genuinely but at the that's same a, time on word. on a micro level because yeah on a macro level like yeah he could that's make right. changes on a micro level just nobody wants to lose their job nobody wants to get fired and mm. on a micro level if you think like oh you know yeah i could say no to my boss but you know mm. I, I think that's a familiar feeling so and then we have randall who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and Randall's very interesting because he's just constantly, like, it's it's somehow amazing that he hasn't gotten fired. But also, I think, and I, I'm i not 100% sure, I'm like 95% sure, it seems that the Quick Stop and the video store are owned by the same person. I think so, person. yeah, yeah. So, like, because Randall comes in and works at the, you know, he, he comes in and works the register, like, there doesn't seem to be any issue with them going back and forth. So... If they're owned by the same person, they have the same boss, Randall gets away with everything he does. That is a good point. Yeah, if he's... Clearly Dante could have gotten away with more than he's he's getting... Shit, that is know. a good point. I never thought about that. Yeah, if this guy is able to get away with all this stuff, why is he being such a... You right. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Damn. and it may be a, like a compensation thing like well, Randall's fucking up so much I can't. Mm. But uh so we we get you know that phone call, and we hear this—the premise of the movie that that Dante's gonna go into work on his day off, and then we get the title card that says "Clerks," the title of the mm-hmm. movie, uh, and then we watch Dante getting ready, and it's all um, that yeah. music is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, I may. Yeah, the 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 music is all really good, and the lyrics all line up. <laughs> so like yeah. when he's opening the quick stop. There's this recurring line about uh, save up, save up your nickels and dimes, and um, <laughs> you know, and it's that idea of like working for an extremely low wage and the sort of futility of that and the Sisyphean nature <laughs> of just trying to to make it by another day, right, right. <laughs> Um, and so I noticed this and then I remembered somebody else commenting on it that Dante, when he's getting ready, he notices there's no newspapers. Mm. He takes a dime out of the register. He goes. Uh, to the newspaper box, the newspaper vending thing outside, steals all the newspapers <laughs> out of it, gets gets his coin back, and then goes and puts the coin back in the register. And some people have said, like, well, that just shows that even though he's not, like, a generally, like, morally 
you know, perfect mm. person because he did steal, but he has that loyalty to his job that he'll steal all these newspapers, but he's not going to steal a coin out of the drawer. Oh, I see what you're saying. And part of me, like, the, but also, like, the person who's worked retail in me is going, yeah, but they're going to count that drawer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it might true, not necessarily, if, you know. Um, but it, But it does show that, like, for whatever the motivation is, whether it's just loyalty or being afraid of getting in trouble, whatever his motivation is, he is very conscientious about work, mm. um, about his job, and that he's not going to steal from or even like be sloppy with the register. So the, he's just kind of coming up against these continuous little frustrations, and the steel shutters on the window don't open, so he goes and gets like a big tarp or something and writes on it in shoe polish, I assure you we're open, (laughs) hangs it up. And I will say like whenever I've worked the kind of like crap minimum wage jobs like that, there's something about getting to do something a little bit out of the ordinary like that, making a little judgment call, like getting to write a sign or or anything that you have to do. Like, Oh, I I had to put, I had to put a sign there or I had to do this or I had, there's like a little bit of like excitement that comes with that because it's like oh something a little out of the ordinary. I made a judgment call. I did something a little creative. Right, I had because he didn't even a little proud of himself. Right. It's like you know <laughs> some creative problem solving that is a little bit more than you know just working the register and mm-hmm. doing the the usual. And I will say like looking back now that I watched the whole movie, going back, he writes a sign in shoe polish. Yeah. And throughout the entire movie, people keep commenting that he smells like shoe <laughs> smells polish. like shoe polish. In fact, that's when the, uh, the, the, his girlfriend comes in. Yeah. Wait, wait. okay, so we got to talk about his relationships. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, so... How does this guy have two women fighting over him? Oh, right. What's really going on? Well, I will say, I know a lot of straight women, and... Who would fuck with that? I know... I know a lot of straight women who are involved with guys that make you go, why is she bothering with that guy? <laughs> like, I was going to say, like... Because um, Dante's schlubby. He doesn't have a lot going for himself. He does. And, and she is trying so hard to pick him up. And we kind of see that at the end of the film where she, like, yeah. explains how Well, and there's also feeling. a thing that I've noticed with some people I know of, like, the, like project of like and and straight mm. guys do this too uh you know like uh, of okay. the of the like with straight guys trying to rescue a girl it's more the white knight thing but with girls i've noticed the like oh like he just needs more support he just needs more encouragement i i, I know so many mm. i know so many girls like veronica who've dated guys like mm. dante we get a new title card that says vilification and it's the first <laughs> title card I think it's the first title card that has like, like just a, a word, like a title yeah, instead yeah. of just the character name. Um, so we see this guy who's kind of like doing a little anti-smoking thing and telling a customer, like, "Okay, I think this is a very interesting conversation." Yes, let's talk about this one yeah, because yeah. Um, he comes in and at first it kind of seems like he's just like. This is a normal conversation. I'm, I'm, hey, wait a minute. This seems wrong. It's wrong that people are being sent here to smoke. As a matter of fact, I just happen to have some information about it. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. The guy, it slowly gets more and more, it slowly gets more and more absurd. So the guy, um, and by the way, like, side note, I watched this and I remembered classmates of mine in acting school doing this scene. (laughs) Really? The the scene. This is a good scene to do. Yeah. So we've got this guy, there's there's one guy trying to buy cigarettes from Dante, and then there's this other guy who's telling the kid who's trying to buy the cigarettes, like, you shouldn't smoke, here's what your lung's going to look like, gives him a tracheal tube, shows him pictures of cancer, 
It's like, it's not that he's wrong. He's just it, being an asshole. He's, he's being an asshole, but it's also like, it's still sort of within the realm of like, you can imagine like, yeah, okay. And then it's kind of funny because Dante convinces the guy like, okay, just, just leave it alone. And the first guy leaves and then another guy comes <laughs> in and says, like, I'd like some cigarettes. Whoa, what's that? And it's like the perfect button of like, you just know. So then oh we cut, God. we cut to, we cut to the men of the hour, Jay and Silent Bob. You know, we have this very iconic image of Jay and Silent Bob, which to me, like, I think of them as how they look mainly in Jay and Silent Bob, Strike Back, hmm. and Dogma and Chasing Amy. Um, but they look very different. Well, at least Silent Bob looked more or less the same. Jay looked very different. You know what I found clerks. interesting about... Uh, I, I found this out about the, the poster for the Clerks movie. Uh-huh. It did not have Jay on it. And the reason why is because they thought he would look too scary. They thought people would be too scared from the film and be like, so, "Yeah, but he like, looks well." And it, it just shows because it's funny because like he's the poster boy for the viewers' universe. Yeah, you know? well, and, <laughs> and the thing that's funny to me is that like to me like we're talking about like the homoeroticism. Jay looks very queer coded in the way he looks in Clerks. He's really? got a, he's got one. He's got a big oh, earring. Yeah. He's got a big earring. He's got what I think of as a lesbian undercut. One of his first interactions is oh, he just randomly right. he turns to Bob. He says, "You look really cute." I want out to of s-. nowhere, he just, yeah. out of nowhere, he says, "You look really cute." I want to suck your cock, and he gets down on his knees and he starts miming sucking Bob's cock. And then only when a car honks at them does he jump up and go, "Ew, you faggot! I don't like. I'm not. You know." All throughout the film, there are lots of him referencing gay stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, he cock smoker is fucking yeah, yeah. Dante and da da da. Is this another? And it's just like. Well, yeah, why does this guy keep focusing on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, um, oh, going back to the to the scene, though, with the... Um, with the smoke. Because then once yeah. we've gotten a taste, just a little taste of Jay and Silent Bob, mm-hmm. we cut back to... And it's like... It's one of those things where it's like <laughs> we didn't see the ramp up, but we know, some, we know that there was a gradual ramp up. But when we go back in the store, the anti-smoking guy is standing on a soapbox. I don't think literally, but he's like on a soapbox. He's addressing a crowd like a... like a street preacher and he's like riling them up and he's literally comparing poor Dante to a Nazi (laughs) because he's just just following orders by selling them cigarettes and it just shows how nonsense it's like because here's the thing it's not that he doesn't have whatever point that he has it's just that you're hassling this clerk who's got no he has no power and it's so extreme that is virtue signaling that's what that is well but but then it turns out so and, and we've noticed, like, at this point, it's like, he's mentioned this particular brand of gum Oh, yeah, why don't you choose some Wrigley's so gum Chulis. instead? Yeah. Chulis, Chulis gum. Chulis, yeah. And then, uh, and so, uh, he, this guy has everybody, like, literally throwing packs of cigarettes at Dante and attacking him. And, and Veronica comes in. This is the first time we see Veronica, and she's heroic. She's standing up on top of something with That's a... That's right! She's His got, girlfriend fucking saves the she, day! Right, she's got, she's got a fire hydrant, and she's sprays them all and yells Dante. at them and she points out she spots it right away she says this guy you're, uh-huh. you're, you're selling gum you're full of shit and she points out that he's a gum representative she catches him trying to sneak out the door mm. and holds him and then of course all the the mob shamefacedly leaves uh and dante's the damsel in distress in that scene dante is the, dante's the damsel in distress and veronica and veronica saves him so that's the first time we see her is her being heroic and literally saving Dante. And then mm. what is she trying to do the entire movie? She's oh trying God. to save Dante. Yeah. 
You know, she's like the entire point. It's, the, it's represent the way her character is introduced is indicative of how she is throughout the film. Right. Of right. her relation like to him her, as a character. Her, her uh, introduction is her seeing through the bullshit mm, mm-hmm. and trying to rescue Dante. It's from, very, she's yeah. the most perceptive character. She's in the very whole perceptive, movie. yeah. And so. Uh, I would argue, like, Randall is also very perceptive. But, but... He's, he's he's perceptive in a way that only... He's he's perceptive to the point that it allows him to be lazy. That's yes. the thing that I hate about his character, if mm-hmm. we're, we're going to get it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. Because um, there's a scene. I don't know. Do you want to do it completely chronologically? I mean, we can, we can like, jump around a little. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll just bring us back. There's a scene in particular where he um, spits in a customer's face. Right. And I thought that that was, like... That's too far. That's like an... Because he, he did it intentionally. Yeah, and that's actually like assaulting someone. And there's no excuse yeah, for no, that. Yeah, Randall's, no. Like, Randall's an asshole. Randall yeah. is, is an asshole. Uh, but he he is very perceptive. But like you said, he uses yeah. his perception and his intelligence to be lazy and to be an asshole. Right. And in this scene in particular, what he does is manipulates logic in order to basically just get his friend's car. And it's just like, okay, well... The logic didn't even really add up when you thought thought think about it. Really, yeah, it was ba- really what he did. Like he thinks he used the logic to manipulate Dante. What he yeah. really did was be enough of a pain in the ass that Dante just wanted to get rid that's of. Him. What re- that's, that's what. That's what he really did. Yeah, that's what I was like noticing. And so it was just like, so there is a sort of scene of like, I'm just giving in because I just don't want any problems. But that's what makes him feel like he's made a point, right? You know, yeah, kind of like those people who like when you get tired of arguing with them on Facebook, they say, "See, I won. You don't have a problem." Yeah, that's like, you're that's what, he's a troll. That's what he is. He is. He is a troll. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so so Veronica. Um, we have this scene where Veronica and Dante are like sitting under the counter, and he's put up a little sign that said, like, he's put up a little bit of money and a sign that says, you know, leave the money, take what mm. change you need. I feel like here's where we get our first real choice of our first real um, taste of what I think of is like very iconic Kevin Smith dialogue. Okay. Where so and this is what I noticed when I rewatched Chasing Amy that I hadn't remembered from when I saw it when I was younger. That Kevin Smith's characters speak uh in a especially especially in the earlier movies, like the ones from the nineties and like I think it started to change a little around Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, but uh, but definitely, like, the 90s ones, there's this very theatrical, writerly, way too... Oh, yeah. Way too erudite, where, way too... Um, just just way too articulate for real people. But, <laughs> well, it's his first time writing right, script. Right, it's his first time yeah, writing. Yeah. But I don't actually... <clears throat> I don't actually hate that. I think of it... It's, it's stylized, and I think that... Um, it's kind of somebody said this about John Green that John Green writes teenage teenagers dialogue, and it doesn't sound like the way adults hear teenagers. It sounds like the way teenagers think they sound. <laughs> and I feel like Kev, I see what you're trying and I to feel get. Like at, yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith's dialogue from those earlier movies sounds like the way snarky, intelligent early twenty somethings think they sound. Mm, okay. Uh, so, so they're they're. You know, a very big thing about this movie—it feels very iconic of the '90s. There are so many moments where I could, like, if I just took a picture of that scene, I'd be great. like, 
Yeah, like yeah, right down to the look of it, like the way Veronica's dressed with the like it's still little eighties with the shoulder pads. <laughs> she's got big hair, and then you know, and the way that uh, Randall's especially dressed with the backwards hat and the mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, way the, the way they got attitude. You know, Randall's yeah. guy. If, if if this had gone on, if they had, if he was eleven, he would have been like in a commercial for a Nerf gun. Oh, they would have Sonic the Hedgehog this motherfucker. So yeah, bad. so. <laughs> Uh, and, and, but what I will say here too, and this is coming back to like it's this movie is not just style over substance. It's not just random stuff. It's not just like zingers. Yeah. Is that in that conversation between Dante and Veronica? It's not just a clever a writer showing off like here's this clever shit that I can write and this dialogue being also philosophical. Um, we learn things. We learn really important things about Dante and Veronica and their relationship and the story. Mm. We uh, find out, like, that Dante lives with his mom and that uh, Veronica's been trying to get him to go back to school and that this is a... That's true. That this is the, and that he, you know, he hates his job, which isn't exactly a huge revelation. But, but we find out that Veronica has, like, been on this path to try and get him more successful. What I was also going to say about the, the dialogue being purposeful is that okay. I feel like a lot of times you might have like two characters that are arguing and there's one whose job is to be right and to mm. reflect whatever the author thinks and there's another whose job is to be wrong and the thing is with their argument is that what Dante is saying about sex is wrong but the point of it is not to be like Veronica being a mouthpiece and like here's the truth and then look at this stupid idiot just being a foil for the truth it's mm. actually showing a lot about Dante's character and about what the problem is. The fact that Dante's, when he says that, like, oh, women, it's really easy to make a guy come. A woman doesn't have to do anything. It's no accomplishment. She's just lying there, blah, blah, blah. It's not just that he's wrong and that he's kind of has a stupid view about sex and women. It's that he does not understand. He's saying to his girlfriend, you could be a dead fish and I don't care. Oh, and wow. he doesn't I didn't realize. Think about, yeah. And he doesn't realize. He, she literally has to tell him that she is, <clears throat> that he's insulting. Because it's interesting the way. I, I thought it was interesting the way she's like, she was defending that it's actually harder like she was defending the idea that it actually is a bit of an art to make a guy come and I was like that's an interesting way to defend it, and but then it's interesting that you say it's like the reason why she's doing that is because you're kind of insulting me. Yeah, right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's insulting her, and and also like take like quite literally just taking her for granted because he's saying wow, like yeah. you don't have any special ability. Like sex with you, like it could be sex with anybody or anything. I don't care. That, whatever. That is a good. Like point. he literally says that like he would have sex with a paraplegic because they don't put up a fight which is really gross but like (laughs) but like but like you know and I think the thing that's interesting about that is he's while he's saying all this to her while he's saying this horribly insulting stuff and taking her for granted he's painting her nails which is this kind of very performative I care about you I'm doing this thing for you Mm. But but doing that while being a dick, and I think yeah. that, uh, and I think that also like that's kind of revealing of his character too. That he's, you know, he's got these sort of superficial like I'm going to be a good boyfriend and paint my girlfriend's nails. I'm going to be a good employee and follow all the rules and come in on the day off and not you know steal the dime out of the register. But, but I'm going to complain. But when he he's going <laughs> to complain and complain and complain, and when he backs up, and this actually so it, it's interesting. Like he complains all the time. 
when we see Caitlin Bree much later, the first thing that struck me about her is like she's complaining, complaining, complaining. I was mm. like, oh my god, like the two of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and the funny thing is, they actually seem better for each other. Because they're more alike, but the reality is you need to be going for someone who's trying to help you. Right, not somebody who's just shitty in the same way you are. And it's very interesting. With, um, and she's passive. She's yes. also passive because she, like, accidentally got engaged. Right. That was a whole, I was like, wait a minute, what's going so, on so, here? Yeah, so it's like, that's interesting that, like, Caitlin and Dante have the same vices of being passive complainers who want to just take stuff and let stuff happen to them and then complain about how unjust it is instead of doing something about it. This conversation leads into the really big first, like, conflict. Oh, oh my God. Which is, how many dicks has Veronica sucked? I remember, even as a kid, I thought it was funny. I did think it was funny, like, the, you know, the, my girlfriend sucked 37 dicks in a row? Like, like, (laughs) that that does sound insane. But he's being an asshole. Dude, I remember even as a kid being like, Okay, yeah, all right, that's a big note. But is she doing it right now? No, so what's the problem? Right. What and, is the problem? And it's like, and also just like the way he's like screaming at her and, you know, all and, this, it's... and the way it was reversed too. Because remember at first she was like, oh, you were with 12, like she was like, uh, you were with 12 guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she also wasn't screaming at him or like but, calling but him names because of that. It like, was interesting the way the conversation flowed, right? Because first it was, uh, you've been with 12 women. And she was kind of like, you know, like, ah, you know, giving yeah, him yeah. shit. But not, not, not Yeah, like she, I think she might have like called him a sl- I don't remember. She might have yeah. like said you're a slut or something. But and like she wasn't, she didn't seem like enraged. It wasn't like the relationship is over. Right, right. And now now the thing is, she says like, oh, I've been with like yeah, she calls Yeah, she calls him a pig, but it's like, yeah. a, sl- it's like a light slap on the arm. And, and, and she says she's only been with three guys. And... But then the the snowball dude comes in with the most disgusting. <laughs> like I'm sorry, yeah. I don't want to keep saying. Oh god, okay. Shake, okay. That so, just threw me no, off. No, no, no. Can I can I tell you? Can I tell you the most disgusting? All right. So this was like years and years ago. This was like ten years ago. I read in a Dan Savage column, and now that like now I I have a slightly like stronger stomach than I used to. But I read this in a Dan Savage column like ten years ago, and I could never get it out of my head. And anytime I tried to think about it too hard, I would start to vomit. Oh no! Are you gonna put it in? <laughs> I'm gonna put it in. So there was a guy. There was a guy who had this kick where he liked to, you know, he wanted to like eat his own cum. But 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 but. Okay, so you know how like all right, you know how like you could be like jerking off to something really kinky, or you're like you know, whatever is really kinky. And you're like this is really. It's that hot. type of conversation, y'all. You're like the, it's it's like, new. It's we're talking about the new. We're gonna, gonna talk some yes. shit. Yes. So you're like you, you know you're looking at something really kinky. You're jerking off. You're like yeah, this is so fucking hot. This is so fucking. And then as soon as you come, you're like no, right? You know, like as soon as you come, it's like that switch flips, and you're like no, get away from me. What's wrong? You you degenerate. So. This guy had this problem. He's like, I really want to eat my cum, but when I produce the cum, the idea is disgusting to me. And so, and I can't remember if Dan advised this or if this was like reader advice. I think this might have been reader advice that came in in like the next week's column. Please don't tell me, is there a resolution for this? Yes. Oh, no. So what the person advised was that he, when he came, he should come into an ice cube tray <laughs> and make cumsicles. <laughs> 
And then when he was horny again, he should melt the cum. Oh, we definitely got to send this to Kevin Smith now. This, this sounds like a scene out of that fucking, out of a Kevin Smith film. Do you realize what you've just done? I just recounted a Dan Savage column from 10 years ago. but Oh, we got a podcast for the ages. Oh yeah. So, but um, I, anyway, snowball. Yeah, that guy. Well, I think I think it's interesting because this goes to um, one of the big uh, gross out humor moments, right? Yeah. The gross out humor of ill. This guy has this weird kink, but it's not just ill. This guy has this weird kink. That weirdness, that grossness, reveals something about this character. About her, right? right. Yeah. That like, yeah. oh wait, she doesn't consider that to be sex. So now there's this weird conversation of what is considered to be sex, right? And like. You know, if you ask me, like, is a blowjob sex, like, again, like, I'm gay. Like, yeah, it's sex. Like, you, <laughs> like, you don't have to put a penis into a vagina for it to be sex. But, um, but that said, her thinking of it as being, like, less intimate, less, like, less of a big deal than yeah. fucking makes sense. And, and regardless of semantics, yeah. regardless of definitions, she wasn't intentionally lying to yeah. him, misleading him, and for him to freak out at her like is him being an asshole. At, at first, it feels disingenuous when I first watch it, but then when I think about how like you know people do get such differing, people you know, have different con- de- definitions, and it's not not like, only not only definitions though, but also like different upbringings about. You know, it's not like we all get like everyone gets to learn a very clinical look at what sex is. No, like you right. know what I mean. So, and, Oh, go on. oh, no, I was going to say, well, the interesting thing about them having that argument is when they're screaming at each other about sucking dicks and snowballs and all this stuff, there's customers. Yeah, is it, is it, doesn't Jay steal from the store at one point while people are arguing? Uh, Jay's stealing from the store at one point while people are arguing, but not even like Jay, like regular customers. <laughs> while they're talking about gross shit. But there's two themes that I, I've noticed about, the show, about this film. There's... Uh, the shitter get off the pot that comes later. Right. Um, so, like, the the complaint... First of all, not doing anything about your situation. But secondly, complaining and not getting over that older situation. Right? right. So, there's these two relationships that he had with these girls in high school. Um, it's like, oh, Caitlin cheated on me in high school. Oh, Veronica sucked right. 37 dicks at some point in her life. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. It was like, it's not, she just cheated on you. It was... Before your relationship even started, this thing happened. Remember the scene later with the 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 muscle muscle head the guy, muscle guy yeah, yeah. who's like, oh yeah, I had sex with the guy. First of all, it was like, all right, man, like come on, like that guy. So here's the thing, like I have actually been nagged by trainers, like that that whole mm-hmm, thing of like, do that oh, you look really out of shape. Like here's my card. Like I've had people do that to me. The thing about I'm it, I'm just like that's. Like, dude, no, asshole, I'm not going to give you money. You just insulted me. And like, the thing about, and what I love about this movie, when you really think about it, because on a certain level, people who work in the service industry, they are the eye into how people really are, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And so what I love about, a big thing about this movie, besides a character development, is how the movie is about observing how weird people are mm-hmm. you know when, when it talks about the the guy trying to find this uh, carton of uh oh of the milkmaid yeah, yeah yeah and then the egg guy who needs to find the perfect carton of eggs is just like what is going on well and also people? that it's in a small town that it's in like a pretty small jersey town mm-hmm. and a lot of these people he's running into are not just randos it they're people he went to high school with they're people that he has mm-hmm. personal connections to and that's the thing in the view universe in general is the personal connections mm-hmm. everywhere 
That's true. Even before the, like, in the very first movie, there's the idea it's that all lots of person. things are connected. Because, I mean, I I come from a pretty, like, small city. I, you know, like, I live in a small town, and, like, yeah, that that's a thing that, like, like I, you know, meet somebody, like, I go down the road to, to go to Shul and meet somebody there. Turns out his dad was best friends with my partner's dead brother. Hmm. and like right right you know just like that that kind of thing like that's a pretty it's a pretty normal like small town thing and it's interesting seeing that um small town small town stuff like that represented in a way that's not sort of stereotypical southern yeah. gothic it, it, it doesn't feel like it does not feel like that um um, making fun of it or or trying to what's the word uh simplify it right it feels like it's very humanizing and realistic um, what did you want to move on to next? Because I wanted to talk about the Star Wars conversation. Oh, well, so I was just going to say, because, uh, you know, getting to, like, the when we first see Randall, because after that, mm. that trying not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot, which yeah. I do think it was a really funny moment, and again, just little details, little details really making it, that there's a guy standing there, and when he I hears Dante guy. say that, that he guy. looks after Veronica, and is like, oh, she's sucking dick, okay, and he walks, and <laughs> starts walking, and he's like, hey, you come back here. <laughs> yeah. But so then we get the title card that says Randall, and I love it that we see the title card say Randall, and the next thing we see is not Randall, but literally Randall's absence. The first thing we see, <laughs> the true. first we see of Randall is his absence, his negative Randall, because the first thing we see after that title card is this customer complaining about the guy's not there to open the video store and I can't. I never, I forget about that because I went into that movie knowing who he was already. Right. But like anyone going to that movie first, they don't know who, who Randall is. They don't know what he looks like. So you they're might like, think that guy's Randall, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, the, remember, he acts like he's also waiting for the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's <laughs> also, and it's like, and that, that's again, like when we do see him for the first time, yeah, he's like pretending to be a customer, shirking his duties, pulling a mean bar bet on that girl, like... Yeah, he does, like, stuff that's just, like... Like, there's one level of hating your job and being lazy, but there's another mm-hmm. level where it's like, all right, he does shit that's kind of vindictive. Right, and I, and I think that it's interesting that you bring that up because I think, you know, there's sort of the juxtaposition of Dante, who hates it and is complaining all the time and is really dissatisfied, and Randall mm-hmm. at one point says, he's like, you know, I do this, but I'm that's happy. True. I'm satisfied. I, you don't see me complaining... But I think that Randall actually, on a much deeper level, like Dante complains and bitches, but he actually does seem complacent in his place, whereas Randall pretends he's satisfied, but then he is just like really mean and inappropriate and lazy and mm. seems to be doing everything he can to get fired. And it's like, maybe Randall's actually the one who is deeply, deeply dissatisfied. And remember when he has that one line where, where he says like, uh, he's like, you hate people, but I love crowds. I don't know. What to, I can he's think. a contradiction. Yeah. And it's just like, what? What does that even mean? That doesn't mean anything. Like, you just like being in a crowd? Like, that means you like being among people. That doesn't mean yeah, he's, But he's just being he, a dick. He, he's, yeah. he's a, a man of, of contradictions. Uh, but so, so the guy who's complaining to Dante about Randall not being there, again, we've got themes of he's... Randall's absent. Dante is taking the brunt. Mm-hmm. Dante is absorbing the customer wrath. Oh Dante is taking that responsibility. The five hundred dollar fine. And the guy. I know we're gonna get oh, to yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. And this guy, the the guy who's trying to return the videos, starts shitting on Dante and insulting him with the whole like, "Well, you're a loser and you work a minimum wage job and blah blah blah." 
And it's, of course, it's like anybody who's worked that kind of job, like, has had somebody say something like that to them mm-hmm. of, like, you know, like, oh, you must be an idiot because you're doing this. And or, it's just like, I, I never understood people that are like that. It's just like, dude... You don't know how their day is going. Yeah. You don't know. Like, you know this is like a, a typical low job. Why you got to shit on these people then, to make so, yourself feel better, you so know? So Dante then, it's interesting because Dante, like, for the most part, he's the, like, stuffy, you know, following the rules one. But he's a couple moments, and of course the big one comes later. But he has a little moment here where he throws the guy's keys out. And it's this, like, little moment of petty revenge where he's not doing, you know, the nice responsible thing Mm. because he like the guy forgets his keys and Dante knows where they are and sees them and throws them in the trash that's a good point and it's like he's got these little release valves little passive aggressive moments little passive where uh, vindictive moments as he says you know uh, what what does he say when he finds out that the uh, it's such the strangest thing like he finds out through like a newspaper that his girl, his ex girlfriend, is getting married. Right, and then she travels back from fucking Ohio just to reassure him that she's not. I'm like, what that was... are women going through just to dude? Like... <laughs> like, I'm, oh I'm not going to drop names, but like you know, straight girls who've done that shit. Man, like, but oh, uh, yeah, and that's the thing about this. It's like this movie seems like on one level, if you really think about it, like. This is absolutely absurd, these things that, that, that are happening in this movie. But on another level, it's just like, yeah, but that's what people go through sometimes. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. It is, it's like, so I'm in, I'm in a Facebook group that uh, makes fun of fake stories on the internet. But once in a while, somebody will post something and be like, this shit didn't happen. And it's something that they're like, no. <laughs> they're like, actually. And then people like, ta- there's this whole thing where people ta- like comment by tagging a group that has a title that's a comment. And so comments are like, just because nothing interesting happened in your life doesn't mean right, that right, right. And it is. It's like, yes, obviously, like, this would be a very unusual day. This kind of shit wouldn't happen every day. Mm. But nothing happens that would not be possible for it to happen. Yeah, even the, uh, the the sex with the dead body part, it's actually interesting. That's the rigor mortis. Well, but with <laughs> and it, the boners. It, but it's also interesting. I'm sorry, I, I know we're skipping no, no, ahead, no, but ahead. I find that the reason why that happens is literally related to uh, uh, corporate chicanery at the top. Dante's uh, ex-girlfriend, the, the slutty one, right. uh, quote-unquote, uh, but I actually do like her character at the end, and again, we'll get back to her. She has sex with uh, a dead guy, of course, goes catatonic, because that's uh, it, it, weird as fuck. But it's interesting, the way the whole thing set up, the reason why it happened was because she went into the bathroom, the lights were off in the bathroom. Because they wouldn't fix it. Right, because... And it was happening for months, and they wouldn't fix it. Yeah, and it was interesting, like, it was brought up like a plot detail, like it didn't matter, but you see how important that was, because she wasn't able to see who was in the bathroom. Oh, someone's touching her. Hey, this must be Randall, I mean, Dante, because he works in the place, and of course, he would be touching me back here. And it's like, it's funny how her brain went there, and it's like, purely because of the sensory, you know, deprivation that she had, based on the fact that... Some BS between the um um the the electrician and the owner of the store because he the the electrician wouldn't return some movies or something like that. Like it's so funny how it's related yeah, in that yeah. way. So um we get the title card syntax. So it's another one of these chapter titles, mm. and I remembered when I watched this that the scene 
where the, I rem- I did this scene in acting class. Uh, I played Randall because yeah. I remember when he says like oh, people say crazy shit during sex. I called this girl mom once. Like I literally <laughs> did. Th- I remembered because I remember saying that line. So I remember doing that scene in an acting class. Um, but that's the one where he, you know he finds out. So there's like some mild homophobia in the way it was kind of like yeah it was a different time it was the 90s where they referred to a gay couple as being deviant or whatever Let, let's break down that scene okay because basically what happens is uh he says he says Kate, the guy that caitlin was supposed to cheat on him with mm-hmm. accidentally fucked a dude instead and now they're married yeah now again this is using that element of quote unquote gross out humor the gross mm-hmm. out humor of guy having sex with another guy but then he likes it what and on one level it's like oh isn't that silly that that happened but on another level it's just like i mean what if like these if these two guys were they didn't turn gay they were apparently gay beforehand because apparently they didn't have a problem with it what if the real issue was they weren't allowed to before mm-hmm. this weird circumstance oh, yeah. that, you know what i'm saying uh, yeah and there's stuff we'll get into when we talk about some of the other movies that like looking at it like from 2018 right. and looking at it as a queer person that I, I that I maybe like read something that Kevin Smith didn't necessarily intend but yeah, they think it's really fun. And, and that's very interesting. So, We're gonna get into some of those. Yeah, yeah. And that's when Randall does the thing with the paper where he's he's like, you know, has that reveal of, oh, the four of you should discuss it. Uh, mm. and her fiance and puts the paper down. And it's a <laughs> yeah. very, uh, it's it's not a natural moment at all, but it's also, <laughs> it's a very random moment, and he has quite a few of these moments where he is very clearly, like, he looks like he's chilling, and yet the gears are just turning, 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 yeah. because he's waiting for the You're perfect right. moment. He has a few of those moments. I, I was thinking specifically about the moment in the, um... In, in his shop the when woman the woman asked, comes in. The woman asking about the movie. Is, yes. It's like he looks like he's not paying attention, but he's very clearly paying <laughs> an extreme amount of attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it, he's, he's weird. Now, uh, but see, I enjoy those moments. And the reason why I enjoy those moments is because that was him going like, you think I'm just a loser who, who's not paying attention, just an idiot. And it's pulling one over on people just by paying attention. Right. Rather than spitting on somebody. Yeah, and I didn't like that and the other scene where um, the mother comes in and with her like kid. And he's like reading all yeah. the titles. It's just it's like, like, that was very What did clearly... she do? Like, what? Yeah. You know, that wasn't necessary. Yeah. That was just like 90s, that, that was a 90s shock humor thing for yeah, the sake yeah, yeah, of yeah. it, you know, because it didn't go anywhere. Right. But, it, but so the Star Wars thing, yeah, that's when the Star Wars thing happens. So It was interestingly political yeah. in a way that was in and of itself addressing the situation apolitically. But using a pop cultural thing in order to do so, right? Because what he said was, um, what he started off, Randall's point was that, hey, it's messed up that they blew up the, um, the Death Star the second time because there were some people who were innocent and didn't have anything to do with it. But a guy who just happens to be a roofer, you know, um, comes in and he's like, hey, I know a little bit about, you know, doing jobs like this. And it's like, someone's not going to take that job unless, you know, they either agree with the politics of the person who's hiring for them for such a high-profile job, or they care that much about the money that they're like, look, I'm willing to take that risk. I, I found it slightly horrifying that that guy was like, oh, yeah, I just, like, passed that job to my friend, and yeah, then he died. Especially I was like, whoa. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, I just gave the job to my friend, and, and then he got killed, so I was right. I'm like, you, you're, you got your friend killed. Like, <laughs> yeah, you directly got your friend yeah. killed. But it's just like... 
that guy could look up the same information as his as his friend right. could have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and but he decided to take a more and, riskier job right. because he knew the con- he knew the consequences and decided to. Yeah. And that was the point about the Star Wars thing. It's like the people who are most likely on that rig. They either agree with the politics or, like, they're, like, they're willing to take that risk because they're trying to make that money, you know? And at the end of the day, it's, like, what are you willing to give up for, you know, um, um, for getting paid, for having job security, or because of what you believe in? What does he say about Return of the Jedi having a downer ending? Yeah. Do you know about the original ending of Clerks? The original, yeah, the original Where ending. Where Dante gets shot? He, he was supposed to die at the end. Right, yeah. and it's, and I'm so glad that, that's not that the they case. they didn't do that? I really think he would not have had a career. Because it was just like, imagine watching would, this movie, a whole be, generation of people, instead of going away with it, like, that was a fun movie, being like, holy shit, what the fuck? It would have been, it been kind of a slap in the face to the yeah. audience. Yeah. So, my question is, how did that kid get there? The little kid, right? <laughs> right? Because her mom's going to get so outraged that you sold her four-year-old cigarettes. Why was your four-year-old in a convenience store by herself? Like, there was no parent around. She just got the cigarettes, walked out, lit them up. So she had a freaking lighter. Yeah. Well, did she light it or did she just put it in her mouth? I can't remember. I remember she... it pausing on her for a long time. So I'm assuming... She put it in her mouth and then did at least oh, like yeah, a light up thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I think that's like also you know if we're thinking from the perspective of like having to deal with customers now they can be really unreasonable. Mm. Like you clearly were neglecting your child, but somehow it's my fault. Right, that... like like when uh, the kid goes in to buy the NC seventeen uh, video game. Right, and like obviously it is Randall's fault that he sold a four year old a cigarette, but at the same time. The parent is not exactly without blame there. But that this scene is the biggest, the most important scene of them all because this is a scene where unequivocally Randall fucked up. He should have to receive the um um the per- repercussions of the actions, and yet it just falls on Dante just because he's he's the one who's willing to roll over. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. That's exactly. a situation where it should have been like, no. You're paying this. You're dealing with this. That's not fair. Oh, yeah. You know, I... I Yeah, and Dante, and, like, because Dante is all lovesick and happy over Caitlyn, he doesn't even get properly mad at him about it. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's, like, he's on a Caitlyn cloud when Randall comes in. Yeah, that's the reason why he... Oh, my goodness. See how this... Like, it's doing so much more. Because, like, that should have absolutely not been excusable. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, y- y- your girl... Who, Caitlin. Caitlin, Caitlin. What I actually thought was interesting about her is that her reason for why she is the way she is felt way more human and justifying than any other character in the film gave her credit for. Throughout the whole film, everyone is calling her a slut, 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 slut. And then when she finally gets to speak for herself, she's like, I don't want to be the housewife who just gets tucked away and just, you know, does whatever her, you know, Chinese future husband tells her to. What also, like, side note, why did everybody constantly refer to this guy as an Asian design major? Like, why? Why did it matter? Like, it was so weird. Yeah, I mean, Caitlin, Caitlin definitely has hidden depths, and I think it's like, it's... We Like, I think we can all agree, cheating on people is bad. But I, I feel but like... But then, like, 
when she shows up, she's not the character. She's not just. She's. I'm she's a, a yes. Right, she's a person. She's not showing up as just like some. Like you know, her tits are hanging out of her fucking blouse right, or whatever. Right, you know, right. she's like she actually has a conversation and she actually says like, "Hey, I don't want to be tied down. I don't want this to be my life. I don't may not know what it is, but I don't want it to be this stereotypical thing." And I feel like partially because she doesn't want it to be that stereotypical thing, I feel like that's part of where the stigmatization of her sexuality. Yeah, derives because, above, and it's it's know? hard because it's like obviously cheating on people is bad, but when they get yes, like, yes, for sure. But when it gets mixed up with just general slut shaming, then yeah. it's a little like it's like no, she's not bad for sleeping with people; she's just only bad for cheating. But yeah, yeah. But uh, we come to the title card malaise, and Dante says, "I'm not even supposed to be here today for the fifth or sixth mm-hmm. time." And I noted that he goes from anger to acceptance real, real fast, and it's kind of that. Not a healthy acceptance, but just giving up, which is, as we've discussed, is kind of Dante's thing, is just giving up and giving in. And that is when Randall comes in, and I found that Randall consistently, through the movie, I'd think something, and then Randall would come in and say it. Or he's on the phone with somebody, and it turns out the boss is in Vermont. I think this is when he finds that out. Yeah, and so he has to yeah. stay until closing when he was supposed to leave uh, early in the day. And you just see how, like, other people walk on him. And continue to do so. Like, the, the the boss is treated as if, like, oh, you know, it, it just couldn't help it. But it's like, no, they could have absolutely. And I, I think uh, Randall actually brings it up later. It's like, you could have absolutely not come in today. You don't owe this place anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so Dante finds out that he is going to have to stay till closing. And he just, he gets really angry first. And then he ends up just apologizing. And Randall comes in and says, why did you apologize? You had the right to be mad. Why did you back down? You're always doing that. You're always just backing down and sliding into defeat. Dante has the whole day been saying, I have a hockey game at two. I have to leave. I have a hockey game at two. Mm-hmm. Um, and since he has to stay, he decides he's going to play hockey at the convenience store, which is a much crazier idea. Remember shit or get off the pot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he tells a story about, like, when I was a kid and I didn't know, I wasn't potty trained yet, um, instead of, like, getting off the potty or something like that, he shits on it instead. Yeah. You know, like, showing how he would rather shit himself than cause an uncomfortable situation. So the way he resolves the issue actually is kind of that uncomfortable situation. Goes, it's, well, it's, it's shitting his pants instead of doing the more sensible thing of just Making a decision. Up. And, yeah, and You it's, know? He wants to be at the convenience store, but he still wants to have the game. And it's kind of one of those things where... Um, like, you know, you, you've known people who, mm. like, let people walk all over them, and yeah. they let people walk all over them, and they don't stand up for themselves, and then once in a while, they just, like, blow up and act like an asshole. Yes, and that's exactly and, what that situation was. You know, it's instead of instead of standing up for your own rights in a reasonable way, consistently, you just, like, are a martyr until you lose it and act like an asshole. Yeah, because he completely goes like, oh, I'm justified in doing this. And it's funny how after that, Randall keeps using that as the reason why he should continue to do worse shit. Yeah, it's like, well, you closed the store to play hockey on the roof, which, oh my god, like, watching them rollerblade around on a roof where the, like, the wall only came up to shin Mm. height. It was just... Right? Like I said... Are you trying to die? Like I said... Are all of you trying to die? Like I said, isn't that funny? He's trying to have it both ways, but he ends up doing something that's honestly the worst possible option. Yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) Like, Like, playing hockey on the roof, and then, you know, luckily nobody dies, they just... 
uh, lose their ball and, and have to stop playing after a few minutes. But but however, like I said, I do want to give credit to the way he wrote actually both female characters. I feel uh-huh. like they're actually really good characters. Mm. Um, you know, and even the tertiary characters, uh, like the woman who talks to uh, talks to them after the uh after uh the incident caitlin yeah yeah, yeah, after yeah. Caitlin, you well, know she had a great scene where she oh, was just yeah, like yeah. what's wrong with you guys what's wrong with the yeah, story that, that was interesting because like that kind of brought everything to a head of like oh wow when you put it like that yeah i like that we don't see them inside the funeral parlor we don't see yeah. the corpse fall on the ground yeah. um because we don't need to although apparently there's Apparently there was, I think, an animated special that was that scene. Really? Yeah. There's like there's something. If you look on IMDb, there's like Jane Silent or it's like uh, Clerks, the missing scene, and it is that scene of the wake. Now that wouldn't have worked. Actually, showing it, <laughs> the the comedy of the implication the, of he Im- fucked up. The implication of like we hear a thud, we hear somebody yeah. scream, and then we see Dante fucking barrel roll yeah. over the car. <laughs> Um, and it's really funny, whereas, like, I think seeing it actually happen would just be upsetting. Like, yeah, just like, oh my god! That's a little too a little, much. It's a little too much, It's yeah. too real. And that cut, like, where he says, like, oh, there's nobody there at 4 o'clock on a Saturday, <laughs> and there's people banging on the door like the zombie That was apocalypse. a great scene. And it is, and it's That's such... a great gag. And for somebody, like, like, Dante, it's weird because it's like, you think that that would be a huge source of anxiety for Dante, mm-hmm. that he would be going, oh, there's probably people lining up outside the shop. Well, it's the one time that he decides not to worry. Yeah, they decide not to. We let him take the car. I was like, no. Yeah. Because it's like, you, you, you work at a video store. Like, and, no. And... Like, does he not realize how much he's been, like, honestly, like, looking at this very objectively, like, I know he's your friend, but... This guy's not your fucking friend. Well, and it's, it's, <laughs> like, he's, it's also that, like, Randall knows precisely that Dante's weakness is giving in and yeah. letting people walk all over him and takes advantage of it, which makes it even worse than if he was just doing it unthinkingly. Yeah. Uh, and then he leaves, and then we get the title card, Paradigm. Mm. And that's when you have the trainer who's, like, being a dick to Dante <laughs> and then just piling on, like, insulting him. Like, just randomly insulting him, insulting his body. And then it turns out, oh, and by the way, also, I was sleeping with your high school girlfriend while you yeah, were it's dating. It's like, oh, my God. And uh, interesting side note, the girl talking to the trainer is uh, the younger sister of Alyssa from Chasing Amy. Really? Yes. Hey, look yeah. at that. We, we already got some continuity going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she, um, yeah, you can tell he just, like, has the Bible and he's paying attention to, right, right. to everything. Uh, Kevin Smith, that is. But um, I saw a little bit of a parallel between the trainer trying to neg Dante and shame him about his body into paying for personal training mm-hmm. and the gum guy trying to scare smokers into buying gum. Like, in both mm-hmm. cases, it's like, I'm going to make you worried about your body. I'm going to make you scared. I'm going to make you feel insecure mm-hmm. and upset. Buy this thing. And here's the solution. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, people should exercise. Yeah, people shouldn't smoke. 
But, like, using that to be like, you need to pay for my personal training. You need to buy this brand of gum is... You're, uh, you're, not, you're not interested in the betterment of this person for the sole purpose of the betterment of that oh person. Oh, yeah, and, and also just using the shame and the fear as a tactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, the guy has a permanent smirk on his face, like, oh, you don't know about this. Yeah. Oh, I banged your ex-girlfriend. Like, this is a nightmare. It's like, a nightmare. You're, I'm and working also, at a... Like, I have to be a professional while you're telling me you banged my girlfriend and that I'm fat and I'm ugly. Yeah. Like, really, and, what's the situation And then also, here? like, the guy with the fine for selling the kids cigarettes comes in, and this was right. interesting too. It's not just like it's not just the trainer comes and he leaves and like, what's next? And then he gets a fine. It dovetails and it's like just everything piling on, snowballing, raising to a crescendo. And then we hear um, Caitlin saying something to Dante, and he goes, "Caitlin," and we don't see her at first. And then that's cut to the video store with Randall yeah, that's having a religious experience. Like, he literally <laughs> falls to his knees. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like there was supposed to be, like, it felt in a way that they were using the heavenly music of that in order to be a parallel of how Dante feels about, you know, Caitlin. Yeah, yeah. In real life, Dante Alighieri, the poet, met this girl Beatrice when they were both, like, eight years old. And he never saw her again. Like, he knew her when they were literally prepubescent children. But his whole life, he was, like, obsessed with her. And he was like, Beatrice, Beatrice, that's, like, the love of my life. Uh, So, you know, an unreasonable obsession with a woman who's been far away from him for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And in the Divine Comedy, when Dante finally ascends out of hell, Beatrice is his guide. I can't remember if she's in Purgatory. I haven't read the Purgatorias. So I don't remember if she's in there or not. But but basically, Beatrice is his guide through heaven. So we've got Dante's been in retail hell all day or, you know, quick mm. stop hell. And then he seems to be coming out of it. And Caitlin, his Beatrice, as, is... As Randall experiences his, per, his as, personal As habit, Randall know. is having this religious experience in the in the good video store. What's interesting about her is that her compli- his compliance leads to him being in a video store. Mm-hmm. Her compliance leads to her, you know, being on the arm of some guy who has millions of dollars. Right, like she clearly it, fell upward. Yeah, but it also involves giving up any sort of autonomy. It's also interesting that Dante, despite the fact that he literally just found out about another time she cheated on him that he didn't even know about, that he's been hearing about this all day, that he's been yeah, This is all in the same day, yeah. Like, immediately, as soon as he sees her, he's just a love bug, and he's just completely smitten. He's completely right, happy to see yeah. her. And then Dante closes the store to talk to Caitlin, which is just like... Oh, my God. That's literally the third time he has closed the store that day. And after he lectured Randall about being, you know, about being responsible. And so I think it's it's interesting because, you know, we've seen Dante being hypocritical in points. His self-image is that he's this trustworthy, stable, reliable, mm, responsible He, he sees employee. himself like this dog who's who stays. Right. Yeah, he has closed the store three times in <laughs> one day, once to play hockey on the rooftop, the next to drive away for quite some time. And the third time to talk to a girl. Yeah, he's very irresponsible. Yeah. Like, he might, like I said, he might as well have just taken the day off. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. especially driving. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. And um, and I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, we did find out right at the beginning, there's a line where Randall says, like, hey, I tried to call you at 1.30 this morning. You were on the phone forever. And we find out that he was talking to Caitlin. Mm. And then... 
when they're talking, we find out like this has been an ongoing thing. They've they've been talking quite a lot. Oh. They've been you know she's been calling him in the middle of the night for quite a long time and and talking to him. I forgot about that. Um, and you know didn't she did I think didn't know that he had a girlfriend and he didn't know about the Asian design major that everybody constantly See, refers to as an Asian design major. Yeah, and that was the thing that kind of got me. I was like, wait. What is his relationship with his with these women officially? Because officially he's dating Veronica and he's talking to... Do you, do, do you kids still say talking to? That was like a thing when I was in high school was people talking I've to. I've never... Like, that. this just sounds like BS for... I'm cheating on them, but you know... Oh, he's definitely... Like, he's definitely stringing... He's yes. definitely stringing people along. Like, there's no, there's no two ways about that. He's... He is emotionally cheating on Veronica. That's what I'm saying, and, yeah. And misleading and stringing Kaylin along. So, yeah, no, he's definitely doing that. Um, but then, so their dialogue was weird because, and this might come back to them being like, you know, having some of the same flaws and both being kind of passive because they're having this conversation where Caitlin seems to be saying, like, no, I don't want to get back together with you, like, in your dreams. That's not what I came here for. And then by the end of it, she's like, yeah, of course, you idiot. I want to get back together with you. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like she's, like, admitting it or something. It just feels, like, really weird and inconsistent. And, like, she didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. He doesn't seem to know. So there's there's a lot of this very, um, like, it's it's weird because most of the dialogue in the movie is very sharp. And very, like, the characters have very clear points of view, mm. and it's very clear what they want and what they're talking about and what their perspective is. And in this, it's like, wh- what does she want? What does yeah, he want? It, what are they did doing? Did it feel like a scripting thing? I don't... I, I'm going to give Kevin Smith the benefit of the doubt here and assume that it's intentional. Well, it's also yeah. just showing, like, who something about who Caitlin is, is that she is indecisive and not straightforward, and that Dante is too much of a coward to be straightforward because the thing that bugged me i was like wait so he's angry and calling like a newspaper and getting all up in a huff about his ex from three years ago getting married to someone else because he kept talking to her on the phone and thinking that maybe it was a possibility you know that person's gonna be there on the she side like you said the moment you mentioned earlier where she actually does seem to have some common sense she's saying i don't want to just get married to this rich guy and get pushed out of having a career and be shunted into a corner as a housewife mm. and dante throws a little hissy fit and basically, and calls her a slut, it, like, kind of reflects the fight he had with Veronica, mm. where it's kind of a hang-up, where, like, apparently he just has an issue with any woman that he's involved with. Having sex with other people. more than a certain amount of people. Right. So, the next title card is Whimsy. <laughs> and my note here was, why does everyone keep saying Asian design major, like... Like, I kept, like, at first, like, it turns out. Like, is this out, supposed to mean something? Like, yeah, because it turns out he is a design major who is Asian, but I kept thinking, like, he's a majoring in Asian design, whatever that means, or, like, that's a thing, like, that was a thing, like, an early 90s thing, like, Asian design, like, so that was, yeah. And You're then, an old Asian designer. Randall casually threatens Caitlin and says, if you break his heart yeah, again, I'll, I'll which, kill you. I was like, all right. I, but I actually thought it was like, like, okay, he wasn't being, like, violent or threatening towards her. <laughs> I, like, I know, but it was but like, it was like, like I, I mean, I think it was taken as the metaphorical I'll kill yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And it was also, like, it was, like, this weirdly sweet moment of, like, yeah, okay, he's been, like, a dick to Dante and been taking advantage of him, yeah. but he genuinely does care about and him. And he doesn't like seeing him get hurt. 
Right, and that was kind of a, a sweet moment. I did like that, like, he, he may be saying that to her, and then, of course, he checks out her ass as soon as she turns around, because he's still <laughs> Randall. And then, so Kaylin comes out of the bathroom, genuinely seems to believe it was Dante. I think they carried the joke out just enough it was, for it to it's, work. The timing was very good, and yeah. then, of course, we have the funny lady, I think she's a coroner, the lady who's <laughs> questioning them, and it's just like, wait a second, I thought you were at a hockey game, I thought you were at a funeral. Such Where a great you, moment, like, revealing their incompetence. It is, yeah. this, it is this moment that just kind of puts a button on it, of like, yeah, when you really break it down, you had a fucked up fucking day. Yeah, and like um, I said... Why didn't you just stay home? And also, like, I will say, like, also the people operating, like, so they they leave the porn magazine on top of the corpse in the, in the, uh, the, the dolly, not a dolly, what's it called? The, the, uh, the gurney. Gurney, thank yeah, you, yeah, the yeah. gurney. They leave the porn on the corpse, <laughs> and then, um... She comments on Dante smelling like shoe polish. That's just a thing throughout. Everybody's constantly talking about them smelling like shoe polish. There's a little callback to Randall's cousin who died trying to suck his own dick, who we heard about in the (laughs) car on the way to the funeral. And then I noticed this couple of things. Poor Caitlin. Poor Caitlin, who is in traumatic shock because she just fucked a corpse is shut in the ambulance with the corpse she just fucked. They put, like, not only this, so we see that the corpse, like, no, 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 and it took me, like, I, I actually had to rewind a couple times, and then I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. So the corpse is wheeled into the ambulance with his erection, with, like, a foot-long erection. Like, first of all, this guy had, like, a fucking Ron Jeremy cock, because he's got a foot-long fucking erection sticking up. Under the under the blanket, and Caitlin is sitting in the ambulance oh, no. next to the aroused corpse. Are they still aroused? Right, she's sitting in the ambulance, and then they shut her in with it. And then oh here's God. the kicker. Here's the kicker. Guess who else is in the ambulance? Ooh. Willem. Willem's sitting there for no reason <laughs> other than he's that fucking dumb. Willem is sitting in the ambulance with the corpse and Caitlin. Oh my God. I didn't even really think about that. I'm glad you pointed that out. How absurd that is. I did not notice until I... But it was like, oh my god, because you think about it... Why would they do that? After poor Caitlin is wheeled away, we we get the title card, Lamentation. (laughs) So Dante is lamenting. Randall is playing with a chip in a jar of salsa and pretending it's the shark from Jaws. Yeah, but and, I think he was trying to do that to try to, like... Yeah, he was just, he was sort of, like, trying to be silly and cheer yeah, Dante pop up. culture reference, huh? Right. So Jay, we see coming in, trying to be the voice of reason, and as we mentioned, like, I think that, like, he fucks up the line. It may have just been Jason Muse fucking up the line, hmm. uh, and, like, we think, like, he's gonna be all deep, and then... Um, and what I like is then Silent Bob, who is, again, we mentioned, kind of reflects Dante. He's kind of like a mirror of Dante. Such a sobering moment, man. And he says, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, but not all of them are going to bring you lasagna at work. Most of them are just going to cheat on you. And mm. that is, I think, because it's like, if Jay's line had been presented as the actual moment of wisdom, and like, well, my grandma used to say, here's this down-home wisdom, and it's some, like, overwrought metaphor, it would have been annoying. Yeah. And instead, Silent Bob is telling him, like, the very, uh, you know, like, 
concrete, like, this girl didn't cheat on you, she it, brought you lasagna. The, the, when when you find someone that's special, don't fuck it up. It's right. basically I mean, what he's but, trying but, to say. But he puts, so then we see, like, you know, Dante's like, oh yeah, he's right, I, shit, I need to, like, respect Veronica, I need to treasure her. And then, of course, we immediately cut to Randall telling Veronica everything about Dante. which bad timing. (laughs) But here's the thing. From Dante's point of view, it's tragic. But honestly, from my point of view, from an audience point of view, it's, like, good because, frankly, for me, watching it, if he had just gotten back together with Veronica and been like, yeah, now I know to treasure her and blah, 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 it would have been like, yeah, but fuck her, you... No. Yeah, no, he doesn't deserve her. He doesn't deserve her. He doesn't deserve her, and it would have just been like, I would have felt bad for Veronica, because then it's like, she's just going along. You're right. And the thing is, like, other people knew what was going on. She's going to hear down the road. She's, you know, it's just like, whatever. So it was actually very satisfying. And then, of course, we get catharsis, and the catharsis is (laughs) finally (laughs) they fucking, like... The Go fight at happens, it. yeah. I did. I loved that, like, fucking Looney Tunes, like, Randall wandering on, and then just you see the hand <laughs> neck. I love that fucking Looney Tunes. And then, and the fight was so like, realistic. Yeah, weirdly awkward, realistic. <laughs> where they're just rolling all over. And, and I love how it, it just was like, this is the type of scene that, like, you'd always want to make if you worked in a, you know, yeah, convenience yeah. store and you just wanted to fuck just around, getting, you know? Just like, grab the ho-hos and stuff. <laughs> exactly. And I loved the cats, the cat having a reaction. Now, what I, okay, so, again, coming back to the homoeroticism, there was something mm. very post-coital about the way that they're lying mm. together after the fight. Because, like, you think about, like, mm. they, they, they fight, they fight, they fight. They fight, they fight, they fight. Nobody. Sorry, I had to throw into oh. the Simpsons reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> they no. G, it's great. Oh, right. oh, no, no, it's <laughs> But yeah, so they fight. There's no, like, nobody ends up getting seriously injured. No they one just, wins or loses. They just at some point stop, <laughs> and they're lying there. You're so right. Randall, I always thought it was so weird. It doesn't feel like the end of a fight. But it's yeah. sexy. Like, Randall is lounging there, very sensuously rubbing his throat. And he says, like, oh, it hurts. You know, you hurt my throat. But he's, like, oh, very... Sh- I never... It's <laughs> very sensuous. It is very sensuous. And then and then oh, Dante is just completely... Dante is completely supine on his back, like just like looks flat out, like he just like got the shit fucked out of him. Right, and it's I like if you think about that. their relationship, it's like obviously their relationship's platonic, but if you think of like their relationship, if you think of sexuality as like a metaphor for their friendship, mm. um, you know they had makeup sex. I found it very satisfying when Dante does one more. I'm not supposed to be here, and Ronte and. and Ronte. Yeah, Ronte. That's their shit oh, name. Oh, that's the, that. <laughs> Dandel. I'm, I'm glad we created that. Yeah. I'm glad you put you like Dan, Dandel the... is like what you do with a little kid when they're on your knee. Uh, but so when Randall says says fuck you and throws something at him, it's like mm. thank you. It's like shut shut the fuck up. Yes. Dante. We know, oh my we know God. you're not supposed to be here. Dude, that really was that really was a cathartic moment. Wow. It was wow. very cathartic. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he says that guy Jay's got it right, it's yeah. like. They yeah, really that's do like lay it out. Jay and Silent Bob show up, do their job of hanging out and selling mm-hmm. weed, and leave. They have no pretensions not, about what they they're are. Not just the not pretensions, but they're also not fucking stuff up. And Randall and Dante, yeah. for all Randall says that he's comfortable, is clearly not. And mm. for all that they talk about, like this is their job, whatever, they are so they're they're like beating at the walls of their cage so hard that mm. they 
really like they close the stores they inconvenience customers they get people really upset they sell cigarettes to children like yeah i, I didn't see one person complain about a uh right exactly so like uh then we've got denouement and i don't so there's denouement 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 is that how you say yeah it's like the you know like everything sort of coming together after the climax oh okay the climax live uh, <laughs> and then uh and then so they're having yeah this, 90s <laughs> right and then they're just doing this like friendly you know chattering like normal yeah it yeah seems like they all everything's back to normal forgiven. i i did notice that like what's right in our face in the middle of the frame is a like tabloid headline of world's fattest man weds tiniest woman i feel like that can be unintentional and i I feel like mm. it might be a reference to, um, you know, them being sort of mismatched in a way. Maybe it's referring to Dante mm. and Veronica. Maybe it's referring to Dante and Randall. Maybe it's referring to Dante and the Quick Pot. And the, the Quick, the quick stop. stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Quick the Pot. The Quick Pot. No, that's Jay's. That's Jay's uh, business. The quick pot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I did find it very charming when he's like, he's saying like, singing to Randall about being Barzarka. He's what, like what dancing. Was, what is that song that he's singing? It was a callback to, it's like the Russian guy's metal Was he band doing song. Berserker? He was singing like, Randall's a Berserker. Yeah, like, like that's Randall. He's a Berserker. And like, he's what like, the dance he's doing? He's like dancing. Did that happen at any other point in the movie? Like, No, like, but it, but it's like, it also, he's like, do the thing. And it's like, you, you get the sense that it's like, okay, their friendship exists yeah. outside of right. this day. We don't, we, like, we can tell it's a thing. We don't have to have seen it already. Th- that's what I thought was interesting. Uh, the reason why I bring it up it was just because, like, maybe I missed it. And, but now that you say it, it's just like, oh, it's just an example of how, like, outside the universe this is. In that, like, we, us seeing it, especially for the first time, it's just like, what is that? But it's like, I don't need to know what that is. That's I don't, their thing. Right, it's their thing. Yeah. And then the very last line of the film proper is Randall tossing the shoe polish open sign back in and saying, you're closed. Mm. And it's like, oh. And it's like a nice little, like, fin button. And then I noted that the lyrics of the music over the end credits are, I may never get what I want, but I'm not going to stop, I'm not going to stop trying, which mm. is kind of ironic because that's the opposite of Dante. Dante yeah. is not striving. He's not trying and failing. He's not trying so that he cannot fail. He's succeeding mm. more or less at remaining a quick stop employee because he's not trying to do anything else. And and it just I know we've been doing a lot of analysis, but yeah, yeah, yeah. can we just have a moment of just enjoying the the fuck you that Veronica gives Dante? Oh, that was so yeah, that was really satisfying. satisfying. And it is like it was said in a way that was like it wasn't fuck you. It was it was like fuck you. Yeah, no, like... she was I was so glad that happened. I, it would have been so just if Dante had succeeded in just being like, oh, well, now I'll be a better boyfriend and get yeah. back together with Veronica. Nah, he needs to suffer. That would have been, it would have been unsatisfying. And he wouldn't, and you know what would have happened is he would have gotten back together with her mm-hmm. and then eventually just like forgotten that he had resolved to be better yeah. and appreciate her. But Veronica, I love you. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that moment. She's great. She's great. <laughs> the acting isn't always professional caliber in fact hmm. most most of the time it is not professional caliber <laughs> uh some of the dialogue feels like very like okay this is a 22 year old writing his first screenplay yeah, it, it feels very much like you know those movies in in the 90s where it was like the um what did they call it? The 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 norm core or whatever, where well, they're trying I, to make it so like normal, well, like the I actors actually, just come in with their clothes. Well, I actually know. thought what was interesting was my thought was that this is the opposite of mumblecore. Okay. Because Kevin Smith is not 
he doesn't shy away from being a writer. He doesn't, the dialogue mm. sounds writerly. Like, Mumblecore is like, oh, yeah, man, what's up? Well, like, see, uh, that, and I, like, I, I think this is that trying to go for reality aesthetic, but done in the way that I feel like it should be done right. Like, I feel like there needs to be some sort of heart, some sort of it's, center. It's the difference between realism and naturalism. Yes. It's realism. Yes. It's there not you trying go. to be naturalistic. Yeah, it gets yeah. at the truth of the realness. And the thing is that the what what's really brilliant, besides just the characters being memorable and there being a lot of snappy lines and stuff, what's really brilliant about this is the structure of the film is, I think, what makes it watchable. Yeah. It you come not, back to it. Right. It is a nested series of callbacks and Chekhov's guns that all interlace and <laughs> respond to each other. And the thing is that if if it had not had all if it had not had the guy watching the cat poop while Dante's on the phone, if Dante <laughs> had rolled out of bed in the morning instead of out of his closet, if the uh if the scene with the jerk personal trainer had finished completely before the before mm-hmm. the tax guy came in it would not have been as watchable. It would not have been as memorable because it was that it was all these little unexpected moments and all this little like just tightly interwoven right. sort of thing. And all these places where he didn't, where Kevin Smith did not make the obvious easy choice of what was going to happen yeah. and how it was going to happen. Yeah, that's what that's what made this thing stick around because you could have written a worse version of it. Mm-hmm. And it in could have been fact, adi- adequate. You know. I was going to say, in fact, of talking of a worse version of Clerks, I, I I think I, I told you <clears throat> I found the um pilot. And if you like what we're doing, maybe maybe we could review it sometime. Yeah, we might. We <laughs> I I mean I I will I will probably need to drink a lot. Uh, it's. And and the pilot was actually like I, I got through like literally a minute and fifteen seconds. I think was where I gave up. And they didn't have the same actors. It was very sitcommy, but it was like. This setup, it was like, there's a girl, and she's like, I don't believe tanning gives you cancer. And the oh, one character yeah. that I think was supposed to be Randall, but didn't resemble him in any way, was like, oh, really? Then what gives you cancer? Lotion. Oh, lotion. Like, it was like Oh, these, that was so oh, God, bad. Oh, God, it was so fucking painful. But part of what was bad about it was that it was like, you could see every, like, every fucking thing coming a mile away and, and it was like and you could see them trying to do the aesthetic of the we're just a couple of people having normal banter but it's just like and and it was the <laughs> yeah and it was like the it's it's the difference between uh if we're going to like we could use a musical metaphor of like um you know the way Kendrick Lamar raps or the way that Tom Waits sings mm. where it's so interesting because it's a little off the beat and it's not just like mm. whereas you think of like the most plotting boring painful to listen to everything square on the you know exactly where it's going what's even the point of listening to the song because exactly. I know where it's going that's like I feel like this film is like the cinematic like the screenwriting the screenplay structure equivalent of Kendrick Lamar or Tom Waits where it's just like a little off the beat enough and unexpected things happening and unexpected rhymes happening more or less yeah I think the way we currently I like I I'm thinking about it right now and I honestly don't think we appreciate this film enough 
I'm thinking Cause about because it's, it's remembered, I, and I, I come back to Twin Peaks, which was another sort of cult classic from uh-huh. the early '90s. People talk about Twin Peaks, and they're like, "Oh yeah, coffee and cherry pie, and da da da," and they like don't remember. Wasn't it fun how weird it was? And, without and really it's thinking like, about and the it. log lady, and then when you actually watch it, it's a weird, brutal, brutal fucking show with like occultism and like deep mythos and really serious crime and and violence and it's uh and it's a very deep thing and i think that clerks in the same way is like people like oh yeah this it's a fun with... stoner comedy about the guys who and hate working there right you know. and it's actually not a stoner comedy like yeah. you have like jay and silent bob are stoners but they're sort of like this little like periphery character peripheral yeah. and comic relief and kind of like you said the greek chorus that doesn't really say much <laughs> and it's actually like about ennui and ambition and um it's got a message. Every time I think about, you know, how people think about this movie, in a way, there is the sort of dismissal of it or treating it like it's just cute. Like, oh, yeah, they talk about Star Wars. Isn't that funny? It's like, but it's actually... But it's like, what are they saying? When they talk? <laughs> yeah. They're not just like, who's better, Han Solo or Luke Skywalker? Like, <laughs> right. They're, they're using it to talk about a really serious issue when exactly. it comes to, you know... What are you risking when you go to work? What's what, what's your job worth? Like, mm. how does that align with who you are as a person? So, yeah, I, I think that about wraps up our review for Clerks. We both love it, of course. Of course. Join us next time when we will be looking at the next film, uh, of course, because th- this is how it all started, uh, Mallrats. Because of course <laughs> that's what's next. We should do, we should do Mallrats, actually. <laughs> actually... Really interesting little quick note. Uh, the character of Willem appears in Mallrats, played by a different actor. Oh, okay. So uh, until until next time, I'll be uh, staring at a sailboat. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I like that. We're staring at sailboats that we can't see. Yeah. <laughs> That's our sign off. Yeah. <laughs>